0: It's great to see you today and uh, we're going to be continuing on with our theme of scars into stars. A couple of weeks ago I started sharing with you about this theme on growing pains and how that quite often in life we carry uh, wounds and those wounds need healing and uh, a scar is actually a sign that the wounds that we've been carrying have healed over And then from that, if we go through a pathway of wholeness um, uh, that God can help us with and God can bring healing to, then those scars can actually become something of strength in our life. They can become a, a, a star in our life. And so we're going to continue on with this theme. I talked about the first trial. There are a number of different trials that we face in life. Uh, One of those is identity, and we talked about that last week. All of us are going to have to face these things in one form or another. And so we talked about identity. There's the trial of unfair comparison, the trial of rejection, priority, timing, and trust. But if we face those trials in our life, if we face those circumstances with the help of the Holy Spirit, then we can overcome and we can live in victory, You know, I've met a lot of people over the years that have lived with the wound so close to the surface and they've never been allowed to heal in their lives and the wound has actually become a form of their identity. It's like they don't exist without that wound. Whereas God wants to, by His Spirit, come into your situation and bring healing to the wound so that it scars over and becomes a position of strength in your life that you can help others. And so we're going to talk about the next two of these trials this morning. We talked about identity. If you remember correctly, I talked about uh, when I was growing up, uh, I was known as a pastor's kid and what that actually meant back in those days and how that I had to discover who I was in Christ. And we talked about that the pathway to wholeness when we're dealing with issues of identity in our lives It's twofold. Firstly, to know who we are in Jesus Christ. And then secondly, to use the gifts that he has given us for his glory. In fact, our theme for August, coming up not too far away, our theme is growing your gifts. Growing in your gifts. And we'll be talking about how we can use those gifts on our lives for the glory of God. And so let's move on this morning. This morning I want to talk about the trial of unfair comparison. Now I said a couple of weeks ago when I first introduced this that I'm going to get vulnerable with you, that I'm going to tell you some stories from my own personal journey, as well as uh, some biblical foundations so that we can um, move on and understand these different issues. Okay, so let's talk about the trial of unfair comparison. You know, I don't think there's anyone in this building here today who, at some point in their life, has not been compared to someone else. I I just find it amazing when babies are born. They've been they've been out in the open air for just a short time. They've just been wrapped in a blanket. Their face is all squashed up, and they get handed over to someone, and someone's bound to say, "He looks just like your mother." I think, no he doesn't, he's all screwed up, he's all, you know, he's, he, he, he doesn't look like anyone at that point in time, but it's amazing, right from the start of our lives, people get compared. No sooner are you on this earth than you are compared to someone else. I'm sure everyone in this building has heard something along these lines, you sound just like Uncle Fred, or you remind me so much of when I was your age. How many of you heard that? Or you act just like your sister. You look so much like your mum. So there are comparisons that happen all the time in our situation. And sometimes those comparisons are healthy things to us. They're compliments that actually help boost our esteem and make us feel good about ourselves. For example, I have so many people that come up to me and say, Pastor John, If you had long, blonde hair, you would look just like Chris Hemsworth. Happens all the time. It's just one of those crosses that I have to bear. Remember once someone came up to me and said, you've got the body of Sylvester Stallone. And he'll be very angry when he finds out what you've done to it. Comparisons. We are always being compared to someone else now even positive comparison co- positive comparison can actually be a good thing but here is the problem see if you are always being compared to someone else it can negatively reinforce to you that you're not uniquely designed and accepted by others for who You are. It's just like you're a continuation of the genetic code or you're a product of the social environment that you come from. You're part of the family. And all of us somewhere along the line need to know that we are unique and accepted and special in God. But then there's negative comparisons. If you continue to behave this way, you're going to end up just like so-and-so. You're acting just like so-and-so before they went off the rails. The last person we employed in this position struggled to cope, so good luck. No one from our family has ever achieved that. Comparisons. Negative, unfair comparisons. And these unfair comparisons can cause huge wounds in people's lives. Well, if that's who you think I am, then perhaps that's who I'll be. If that's what you think I stand for, then perhaps I'll probably end up standing for that. If you think I'm going to fail, then perhaps I will. If no one from our family has done this, then the chances are that I probably won't as well. Comparisons. Unfair comparisons. And we allow these comparisons in our life to influence us a great deal. You know, some people go through their whole life sorting out unfair comparison, bound up by unfair comparison, either falling short of the mark or accepting that this low mark is their lot in life. It ain't ever going to change. Unfair comparison can cause bitterness Resentment, anger, hatred, cynicism, rebellion, jealousy, and it can cause one to give in to the possibilities of future success. Well, there's no way that I can do that because in my family, no one's ever done that. It can rob people of their purpose in life. Unfair comparison. You know, there's some amazing examples of this in the Word of God, and perhaps the greatest story is the story of David and King Saul. In 1 Samuel 18, verses 5 to 9, let me, let me read it to you. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, so he's talking about Goliath here, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang, they danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals, and this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Comparison. This made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So, from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. An unfair comparison. We read this story and we find out that this unfair comparison led to uh, amazing things. It was an unfair comparison. Yes, David was successful at being the commander of the army, but, but Saul carried the responsibility of the king. The commander may be in the battle, whereas it was the king in the strategy room that made so much difference, that planned for success. It was an unfair comparison. And it's what we do with those comparisons in life that's so important. You see, for the rest of King Saul's life, he spent it in jealousy and hatred towards David. He tried to hunt him down and kill him on numerous occasions. He rebelled against God, we read. There were lies and disobedience. There was violence and there was murder. There was even consorting with witches and making decisions that were absolutely detrimental to his nation. Eventually, he died. King Saul on a battlefield, falling on his own sword. You know, it could have been so different if he had responded a different way. It could have been so different if he had looked at that unfair comparison and he had sought help for the wound to heal over and scar so that it could become a star of strength in his life. But it never happened. You know Ephesians 2:10 says that you are His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That word "masterpiece is the word poem. It's, it's the word where we get poem from. You are His poetry," it's saying. You are his poetry, and then it goes on, and says, "Created in Christ Jesus for good works, created for action, created for purpose, created, moving, doing, being. You are His poetry in. Motion is what it's saying. You know, it is poetry in motion. The Holy Spirit brought me to this passage. I know you're aware of this psalm, Psalm 139. And as I started reading Psalm 139, he started bringing healing to my life, and I started to understand that that God had a unique plan and purpose for me, that he had designed me and fashioned me for a particular purpose. And friends, you need to know that today God has a unique plan and a unique purpose for you. You are not a mistake that he has a plan from the foundation of the earth. He had a plan for your life. So I want to read Psalm 139 to you from the Passion Translation, because I just love the way it puts this. I don't want you to just hear it. I want you to absorb it. You know, so often we, so often we, we agree with the Word of God here in our mind, but we don't allow the 30 centimetres to hear where our heart is. I want you to hear it in your heart today about you. Lord, you know everything there is. To know about me you perceive every movement of my heart and soul and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind you are so intimately aware of me lord you read my heart like an open book and you know all the words i'm about to speak before i even start a sentence you know every step i will take before my journey even begins You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. Some of you need to hear that. In kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There's no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. You formed me. You formed my innermost being shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Wow. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the numbers of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you're thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires towards me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I wake up each morning, you're still with me. Down to verse 23. God, I invite you, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain that I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways. The path that brings me back to you. What a powerful scripture. And as God unfolds that to your heart, you start to realize and recognize that you are a child of God. You are unique and fashioned in him for his purpose. Don't believe the lies of man. Your pathway to wholeness when it comes to unfair comparisons is listening to what God says of you and not man. Because all too often we allow man to rule our thoughts, that you are uniquely created and designed by him. You are his masterpiece. You are the apple of his eye. And in that, there is total acceptance. There is nothing you can do to make him love you more or less. He loves you. You're his child. The other part of this pathway of wholeness is inviting him to search your heart like David did. To search your heart to reveal, deal and heal. To reveal the wounds, the foundations of the pain that may be in your life and to deal with that hurt and that pain and that always involves you forgiving, which is not always easy. But forgiveness, forgiveness, throwing off the unfair comparisons that have held you back and to heal, to recognize your uniqueness and acceptance so that the scar becomes a star. The healed scar is in knowing your uniqueness in God and the star is going through life knowing that you're totally accepted by him. Totally accepted by him. God revealed to me That passage in Psalm 139 to a young kid who was just wounded by unfair comparison. But you know, God often brings the icing on the cake. He doesn't just restore to what was previous. He always adds a new dimension to your life. He always adds something more so that it is dealt with well and truly. And let me tell you what happened in this situation. You've got to remember that. When uh, God revealed this psalm to my heart, Psalm 139, the comparison in my life I was dealing with was with a David. And this psalm was a psalm of David. and, And then one day, this is what happened. We were living in Perth. And God just gave me the icing on the cake. There was a famous Australian preacher evangelist that was holding some meetings, in Perth, in the the south of Perth, in the Pagoda Ballroom. And so we'd hide out this Pagoda Ballroom, and uh, uh, there's about 2,000 people there. And so I went along this particular night with some of my friends, and we sat down in the 6th or 7th row, just minding our own business, enjoying the worship, having a great time. And then what happens is that this preacher, this this preacher gets up and says a few niceties and looks around the room, just taking in who's there. And then this preacher just pauses and stops and looks over there to around about the 6th or 7th row where I was seated and he stops I'm there minding my own business and he stops and points, 2,000 people there, and he points to me. I thought, oh no. He didn't know me, didn't know me at this point in time, he, he, he didn't know who I was and he pointed to me and he said, young man, because I was a young man. If it had been John Mann sitting in that seat, he would have said old man, but he didn't, he said young man. Sorry, John. He said, young man, stand up. I thought, oh, here we go. So I stood up. And he paused. And he prophesied these words into my life. And this is what he said. Remember, he doesn't know me. He said, young man. He said, you... Have a brother named David, but you're the David. You're the one who's been born with the heart of worship. Prayed for me. I sat down. Unfair comparison, totally dealt with. Ironic that it was a comparison that he made. God's incredible. God just wants to say to you today that he has uniquely fashioned you for your purpose. You might look like someone, you might sound like someone, whatever it might be, but God has a unique design for your life. You have been crafted as his masterpiece. And don't allow things that have held you back to hold you back any longer because he has a great plan for you, for you. Listen to what God says. Invite him to reveal, deal and heal. Turn the scars into stars. Amen. One more thing I want to talk to you about this morning. The trial of rejection. You know, some of the deepest wounds in life are caused by betrayal and rejection. Rejection is a deliberate exclusion, it's being pushed away from and it ranks amongst the most distressing things that people can actually experience in life. You know, people who have been rejected can actually back away a little from life, they avoid being emotionally vulnerable their emotions can become locked up. They, if there is someone who pays attention to them, they can become obsessively codependent on those people. They can develop deep depression and heartache and anger and, and even consider suicide as a means of, of, of escape from their pain. You know, many people who have gone through significant rejection in life they they actually move on but it's like they move on with an emotional limp and the wounds can very easily open up again you know something's happening there's a conversation taking place and all of a sudden there's this huge overreaction and people thinking where on earth did that come from it's not necessarily about the situation that they are facing. It's not about that current circumstance, but what's happening is that through it they are reliving the wounds of rejection. And I've got news for you today, and that is this: that Jesus came to heal the broken-hearted and set the captive free. So that's not just the physical, but that's the emotional. That's the hurt, that's the pain, that's the rejection that people feel in life. In fact, Jesus was cruelly betrayed and rejected himself, so he knows exactly what it feels like. So let me tell you my rejection story. I was about 17 years of age, and I started going out with a girl in our youth group I thought, this is the girl for me. She was pretty, but I was a hunk, so it all fit. (laughs) It all made sense. We'd been going out for about nine months. And it was coming up to Christmas, vacation break. And uh, my parents always, we, we always went to Busselton, which was about four hours, a nice little beachside town, four hours from Perth. And, and so I went away with my parents. I thought, yeah, it'll be great. We'll be swimming and kayaking and no fishing, because I don't like fishing, Rodney. Right um, kayaking and just enjoying life. It was a great time at Busselton. And I came back. I thought, great, it's going to be good to catch up with my girlfriend again. And I came back only to discover that the girl of my dreams was now going out with my best friend. I know, right? It's like giving up Superman for Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that, maybe. She actually ended up marrying him, by the way, so it's all good. But, you know, as a young kid, it cut a wound of rejection in me that told me that when it comes to a serious relationship, I was not really good enough. And for a season of time, I actually went into a shell. I lost my confidence I wouldn't hang around people. I isolated myself from people. All those things that you shouldn't do at that sort of time. You see, rejection's incredibly painful. Even now as I'm talking, some of you are thinking through situations in your life where there's been that pain of rejection and it's starting to come to the surface. So what's the pathway of wholeness? in your situation. Well, you know, there are two stories in the Bible that, in the Gospels, that just move my heart every time I read them. And I believe that in these stories is the answer for you this morning to heal that wound of rejection. The first is a story about a man who was in the advanced stages of leprosy. We read his story in Luke 5. and I, I, You've got to understand that in, a leper was totally rejected from society. It wasn't just that they had a disease. They had to live in a separate colony. Anytime they came near people, they had to shout out at the top of their voice, unclean, unclean, unclean. People would run and scatter from them. If they got too close, people would throw stones at them. In fact, what used to happen was that people believed that lepers had actually done something to so offend God that their leprosy was a punishment from God and therefore they deserved all they got. That's how leprosy was seen. And so one day this leper, he comes and he hides and he, 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 he sort of gets out at the right moment where Jesus is coming by and he, he rushes out in front of Jesus and he says these words to Jesus. He says, if you want to, you can heal me. That's a profound statement in itself. If you want to, you can heal me. And then Jesus does something that no one else would do. Jesus does something. He touches him. You read it in Luke 5, he he touches him. You see, in Jewish law, at that moment where Jesus touches a leper, he is defiled. He then has to go through a purification ceremony according to Jewish law for touching that leper. Jesus touches this leper. He touches him. For a leper who's been totally isolated for so long from touch, I wonder how that felt. He touches him. And Jesus says, I want to heal you. And he is instantly healed of his leprosy. Friends, we read that story and we think, praise God. God is a God who heals leprosy. God is a God who heals our, our, our diseases and our sicknesses. But more happened in this story. More happened than just the healing of this uh, sickness, this disease. What happened was that Jesus touched him. He didn't just heal the sickness. He healed the rejection of years being an outcast and being treated like that. And how did it happen? It happened with a touch. A touch. We used to sing a chorus many years ago. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know he touched me and he made me whole. The second person is a lady who had had an issue of blood for 12 years. Been bleeding and we read her story in Mark 5. It's an amazing story. This lady who has tried everything, tried every cure possible and nothing has worked and she hears of Jesus and I like to think that when she was a little girl, she would sit on her dad's knee and her dad would tell her the story of Isaiah and how that, the train of God's robe filled the temple. And so this lady, many years afterwards, she's thinking about that and she hears that Jesus, the Messiah the healer is coming their way. And so she says, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, if the train of his robe fills the temple and he is God, then perhaps just if I touch the hem, I'll be made whole. And so she goes and you've got to remember this lady is rejected. She's not to go near society. She's to stay well away from everybody. Jesus is walking through a crowd and she reaches out and she grabs the hem of his garment and instantly she is made whole. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me? Because he felt that healing flow, or that, that healing virtue flow from him into someone. And this lady, this, this lady afraid. Oh no, what have I done? She falls at the feet of Jesus And she says, Jesus, I touched you. I felt that you could make me whole. And what does Jesus do? He says this He says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. He says, Daughter. With the leper, it was a touch. With this particular lady, he said, daughter. Sure, she was healed of that physical condition instantly, but she was not just healed of that physical condition because Jesus said to her, daughter. And in that word, there is healing of all the rejection of her life. You see, daughter there implies... You belong. You're a child of God. You are accepted. You are an essential person in the household of Israel. You are a daughter. And in that moment, in that word, the rejection in her life was dealt with. The touch healed her sickness. The word healed her wound of rejection. You see, the pathway to wholeness, when you carry the wound of rejection, is to receive a touch from God and a word from the Holy Spirit to your heart. And friends, that changes everything. You just have to position yourself to receive his touch, to hear his voice. God healed my sense of rejection because he touched me, and his spirit spoke gently to my heart. But you know what? It didn't happen instantaneously. Because sometimes what happens is you go through a process of faith. You go through a process where God speaks to you and he, he, he touches you. And, but over a period of time, I started to understand and see that I was loved and I was accepted for who I was. I became a primary school teacher. And the kids loved Mr. C., He never taught them anything, but they loved Mr. C. Maybe that's why they loved Mr. C. Later on, I became a husband to Edie. She felt that I was her good deed in life. (laughs) I became a dad to four amazing kids who still love me in spite of my imperfections. I became a pastor and a leader to the most beautiful people who are just so wonderful and generous and kind. And through all of those situations, I realised I was accepted and I was loved you know, if ever a situation arises where I'm reminded of rejection of the past, and that's what the enemy does, you know. He'll come along and he'll say, listen, you think that you've dealt with that, but really you've got to remember back then the rejection of that situation. Every time that that happens, and it doesn't happen frequently, but whenever that does, I get on my knees and I just pray, Jesus... I need a fresh touch from you today. Holy Spirit, just come and speak to my heart today. Some of you today, the answer to wholeness in your life is you just need a touch from God and to hear the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I love you. You're accepted. You're the apple of my eye. Don't listen to all those things that man says. Don't hold to those things of the past like they are your identity because they're not. But just come to me for a fresh touch from God. And behold, in the name of Jesus.